Welcome to Scientious Soundwaves. I am Ashni Sharan and I will be your host for today. Climate change is one of the greatest challenges facing our planet today, and its impacts on biodiversity are profound. As temperatures rise and ecosystems shift, species must adapt to survive. This intricate dance between climate change and species adaptation forms a complex puzzle that scientists are working to decode. Understanding the mechanisms by which species respond and adapt to changing environments is crucial for predicting the future of our planet's biodiversity and informing conservation efforts. Today, we're excited to invite Professor Lauren Buckley, a, an in, evolutionary biologist from the University of Washington. In today's episode, Professor Buckley will be sharing about her groundbreaking research on the intricate relationship between climate change and species adaptation. Welcome, Professor. Thank you. It's nice to join you. So how does the climate change uh, impact the distribution and abundance of species across different habitats? Well, overall, species are shifting distributions towards cooler environments. So they're generally moving upward in elevation and towards polar areas. But there's also a lot of variation in that response and also abundance distribution or abundance responses are quite variable as well. So we tend to think of these variable responses as species being winners and losers, depending on what location they're in and the characteristic of the species. So for example, if a organism is in a cool montane environment, it might do quite well in response to climate change, particularly if it's adapted to thrive in those potentially warmer conditions than they are currently experiencing on those mountaintops. So the goal of my research is really to try to develop approaches to allow us to better predict responses to climate change so that we can predict which species are going to be winners and losers and that we can better anticipate distribution and abundance shifts. All right. So could you explain the concept of local adaptation and how it relates to species responses to climate change? So populations that are locally adapted have evolved to function best in their home environments. And in terms of how this relates to climate change, species with locally adapted populations do generally fare better to through climate change. And this is because among different populations, there's a range of different genotypes and also a range of traits. So different genotypes can often provide the necessary genetic variation to allow adaptation to proceed. Different phenotypes can allow populations to reshuffle across a distribution so that organisms in a given location can be better matched to the environment following climate change. Um, but local adaptation doesn't always facilitate responses to climate change. There can also be conditions where a more dominant genetic composition genotype can swamp selection that's happening in some parts of the distribution. 
Alright, so what are some of the key mechanisms that drive species thermal tolerance and how do they influence their ability to adapt to changes, changing climates? Species are generally adapted to do best in one environment. So often they have a middle temperature range where they can do really well and at the tails in either very cool or very warm environments, organisms often can't do that well. Basically there's trade-offs that organisms can't do great in all environments. So they may be adapted to fare better in either cooler or warmer conditions. And um, some of the mechanisms that determine what temperature range organisms do well in are, um, for example, if they can express proteins that allow them to be more resistant to warm temperatures, they might also have special membrane compositions that allow them to fare better in warm or alternatively in cool environments. So generally in order for an organism to adapt, uh, say to be able to better tolerate warm conditions, there's often um, some trade-off where they might then have membranes that are well suited to do well in warm conditions and they may long no longer do as well in cool conditions. Also, um, another thing that we think about is that organisms are often facing these rare stressful thermal extremes. Um, so often organisms are evolved to have uh, essentially as high of thermal tolerances or as close to as high of thermal tolerances as um, they are able to, given their need to perform pretty well in the average conditions they experience as well. So these uh, past evolutionary responses to thermal extremes can actually really limit their ability to evolve thermal tolerance in response to climate change. And that's a concern thinking about future climate change, and in particular, um, the increasing incidence of thermal extremes. All right. Can you elaborate on the role of thermoregulatory behavior in shaping species' response to climate change? Yes. Um, so it's a pretty uh, new perspective for people to think about how organisms can thermoregulate and how that influences their responses to climate change. So by thermoregulation, we're most often thinking about organisms that are moving between the sun and the shade, depending on their temperature and whether they are warm or cool. Um, so we still have a lot to learn about the role of thermoregulatory behavior. We know that Thermoregulation can allow organisms to avoid some of these stressfully hot conditions so they can fare better through climate change. They can avoid stress. Um, but the flip side of that is that they're not experiencing this gradual selection that allows them to evolve over time. Um, so some of the work we've done on lizards, for example, lizards are very good thermoregulators. So in the past, they've basically been able to not experience climate change and the thermal extremes associated with climate change. Um, but the concern is that eventually there's not going to be those cool spat patches that they can move to. And if there's no longer basically that buffering effect of thermal behavior, they might experience the stress associated with climate change very rapidly. 
And then they basically might have lost all that time to slowly evolve because they are using thermal regulation. So they actually might be in a worse condition and might face more thermal stress associated with future climate change than if they had not been thermal regulating and if they had gradually evolved over time. Okay, so how does the developmental plasticity affect species' ability to adapt to changing environments? Okay, so thermoregulation is a form of plasticity of organisms. Um, so the response to developmental plasticity will be quite similar. In some ways, um, plasticity is certainly going to promote evolution and responses and allow species to persist through environmental change. Um, but there's also potentially the effect of that plasticity buffering the effect of the environment and then slowing responses to climate change. So um, for developmental plasticity uh, in particular, those are differences that arise during development in response to the conditions that organisms face. So for example, we study butterflies that have different coloration depending on when in the season they develop. So if the butterfly is developing in the cool spring season, it can have darker wing coloration that it can allow it to absorb more sunlight and then heat up and perform better in that cool environment. But if those butterflies had those dark wings, if they were in the summer season, that could cause thermal stress. So developmental plasticity allows these butterflies that are emerging during the summer to have uh, lighter colored wings and avoid some of that overheating. Um, so again, in general, this ability to respond to the environment is going to basically allow species to better adjust and adapt to changing environments, but it might also slow down some of the selection that is driving evolution. Okay, so that's quite interesting. Could you explain the concept of phenology and its importance in understanding species response to climate change? Sure. Um, so phenology basically means seasonal timing. So we can think about things uh, like when development starts, how fastly, how fast the development of the organism proceeds. Um, we can think of when there are offspring. Um, often you hear phenology in the concepts of plants. So you can think of when the leaves are forming, when uh, the plants are distributing seeds. And one of the main ways that I think about phenology is I generally work on organisms that are ectothermic or cold-blooded. So they're not maintaining their body temperature through the production of heat, they're very much influenced by external temperatures. And so the external temperatures that influence their organismal temperatures can affect their, their rate of development. So if you have warmer conditions that would generally speed up development of an organism, that organism might emerge at a time that's basically too early. So for example, the vegetation might no might not yet be greened up and provide resources for that organism, and we call um, organisms that have different basically phenological cues and phenological responses. We often can see climate change causing what's called phenological mismatches between those interacting organisms, and. 
essentially the extent to which organisms have these mismatches or they may be able to use developmental plasticity to eliminate those mismatches. Um, basically, the extent of mis mismatches are going to have an important effect on species responses to climate change. Okay, so how do interactions between phenology, demography, and climate change influence evolutionary responses of species? Okay, so we were uh, just talking about phenology and some of the phenological shifts that happen in response to climate change. And phenology, that seasonal timing, influences the conditions that organisms experience. For example, for the insects that I work on, their rate of development as a function of temperature determines when they emerge in the spring, and that has a big influence on the conditions they experience, whether they, for example, might be in the early season, experience a lot of variability in cool extremes, or whether they might emerge later and, for example, experience warm conditions and warm extremes. So whatever conditions these organisms experience are going to influence how well they do in that environment. So that's going to determine their rates of birth and death. Those rates of birth and death are demography. And that is also what drives evolutionary responses. If you have species with a given gene, or given genes that perform better in that environment, then those genes are going to be better represented in the next generation. And that's what's driving evolutionary responses. Um, so climate change can alter both the conditions that organisms are experiencing when they're emerging. Uh, but as we were just talking about, it can also influence the developmental rate that then determines the phenology of organisms. Sometimes if organisms can accelerate their phenology, they can, for example, emerge earlier and they can face conditions that are more similar to what they would have faced without climate change. So essentially, um, as with much of biology, we have these complex interactions between phenology, demography, and climate change that are influencing the evolutionary responses of species. So in your research, have you observed any unexpected or surprising findings related to species adaptation and climate change? Certainly. Um, anyone that works in climate change and trying to understand the biological responses to climate change um, will probably tell you that there are always surprises. Um, essentially, we don't know enough about how the biology of organisms interacts with the climate and with climate change to be able to predict responses to climate change. And so, um, you know, that is, again, is really uh, what's driving my research. We are trying to reduce the number of surprises that we encounter in our research um, and trying to improve our ability to predict responses to climate change. So a lot of what I do in my research group is we use historic data and we go back in that system, in that location, and we repeat these old experiments and observations to try to see how organisms are responding to climate change. Um, so we're almost always surprised. There's almost always factors such as how phenology and 
neuroplasticity are interacting to influence selection and evolutionary responses to climate change. Um, but we, we keep on trying to improve our models, improve our ability to predict responses to climate change. And the hope is that these surprises will go down um, with climate change. Um, and to give you um, an example, we initially thought that these montane butterflies that we work on might be evolving lighter wings in response to climate change um, to avoid overheating. But it turns out um, they are so limited by these cool montane environments that at least over the short term, we found that these butterflies have been evolving darker wings to basically capitalize on climate change. We project that at some point those darker wings will no longer be advantageous and there will be basically a flip in um, selection on wing coloration. Uh, but that was one example of a surprise we've encountered. Oh, that's quite interesting. So looking ahead, what are some of the pressing challenges and opportunities in studying and mitigating the impacts of climate change on species evolutionary responses? Great. Um, so there's a lot of different levels that I could answer this question at. Um, I think uh, in terms of pressing challenges uh, at the broadest scale, it's very clear that life on Earth is being profoundly impacted by climate change. Um, and in terms of the accelerating rate of climate change, we really only have a short period of time on the timescale of a decade or um, slightly more to decades in terms of achieving decarbonization that will help avoid some of these major biological impacts of cli climate change. So I would say, you know, the broadest, most general challenge is for us as a society to try to figure out ways to limit climate change. Um, so that would be mitigating impacts of climate change. Um, but in terms of studying them and mitigating impacts at a smaller scale, Again, um, I and others are really dedicated to trying to figure out how we can develop approaches and models that will improve our ability to predict responses to climate change in terms of appropriately managing these impacts, doing things like setting lands aside or maintaining populations in abundances that will allow them to evolve. We really need to be able to predict how they are likely to respond to climate change. And I would also say, um, in terms of opportunities for studying, um, as I was mentioning, I've been really excited about looking back to the past in order to improve our ability to predict in the future. So there's all sorts of data that has been collected several decades ago, and we've already been seeing organisms responding both ecologically and evolutionarily over those timescales. So there are many opportunities to dig up old data to repeat old observations and experiments to see how organisms have responded to climate change in the past. Um, and collectively, if we can develop a bunch of different case studies that are looking at past responses to climate change, I'm optimistic that that's going to allow us to improve our methods to better predict responses to climate change in the future and basically solve this problem of unpredictability in climate change biology. 
Thank you so much for joining us, Professor Lauren. It has been wonderful having you on our podcast, Sanchez Soundwaves. Your insights into the complex puzzle of evolutionary responses to climate change have been truly enlightening. Thank you for the opportunity to talk to you today. It's been fun. If you would like to ask us a question about today's podcast or would like to offer your expertise and join us as a guest speaker, please email us at the link in the description box. Thank you for supporting our podcast and we hope you have enjoyed listening to today's session. Stay safe and see you soon.